This program was first broadcast on Canterbury's access media station, Plains FM, and was made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air. Kia ora katou. Welcome to the people of Pōwai, the podcast from Leadership Labs Youth Programme. Our kaupapa is to amplify marginalised voices. Join us as we kōrero with the rangatahi of Pōwai about their lives, passions and what they need from the world. Ka mihi tēne ki nā tuahuriri nā mana whenua o te whenua nei. Acknowledging Nai Tua Huriri, the hapu who are the holders of the land in and around Ōtotahi. Ko Kupa Toku Ingoa, no Scotland, Ireland, England, Denmark, Germany, France, Aku Tipuna. Kia ora, my name is Cooper, and my ancestors are mostly from Western and Northern Europe. I am here to the rangatahi featured in this podcast and the vulnerability they have generously stepped into by sharing their stories. It is the opportunity to gain insight and experience outside of our own and challenge our preconceptions. Please afi, cherish, and totoku support by whakarongo, listening, with your heart as well as your ears, with openness and the aim to understand these young people, their experiences, and their communities. Today with us, we have Saf and Alina. Hello. Hi. And they're two Nepali, Bhutanese young women who were born in Nepal, and moved to Aotearoa as refugees when they were children. They're going to discuss a brief history of how they became refugees, what being a refugee in Aotearoa schooling was like in the 2010s, their relationship with both Nepali and Bhutanese cultures, and their experience of being the oldest girl in a brown household. They're also going to talk to us about some things that they're passionate about and share their favourite song right now with us. We want to let everyone know that the personal experiences of being a young refugee and disconnection with culture are going to be discussed, so please be gentle with yourself if these are topics that are particularly heavy for you. We hope that you'll find this discussion valuable for you, your whanau, and other loved ones. Araha nui, and without further ado. Kia ora, Saf, uh, Alina, welcome. Can you please tell us how you identify? Um, I am Nepali Vietnamese. Um, I am the same. I'm also a female and go by she, her pronouns. My pronouns are also she, her. Cool. Thank you very much. Uh, so just just that, so that the listeners can get to know each of your voices a little bit um, before we go in, uh, to interview together, because usually the interviews are separate. I'm just going to ask the first couple of questions separately. So, Saf, how old are you and... Are you still in school? If so, what year are you in? Um, I am 17 at the moment, just turned on September. Um, I am going to be a year 13 next year. And what do you do outside of school? Um, outside of school, I mostly watch shows. <laughs> I don't do any, uh, I don't do that much extracurriculars, but I'm planning on getting into um, badminton, hopefully soon. But yeah, that's what I do. And you do some work as well, I believe? Oh, yes, 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 yes. I have two jobs, one part-time and one casual. And Alina, uh, how do you... I know that you're not in school anymore, but you're at uni. So what yeah. you're at uni, uh, what do you study? Um, so I started uni this year, and I studied law, um, and I'm 19 years old. 
And what do you do outside of uh, your study? I like to do like art and like dance, I guess. Cool. Yeah. Thank you very much. You both live in Otatahi Christchurch now, but I'm aware you were born elsewhere. Are you able to tell us where you were born and at what age you moved here? Um, I was born in Nepal in a refugee camp where we migrated from um, Bhutan. Well, not me, but my parents. Um, yeah, I was born in Nepal and we moved here when we were around, um, when I was around four years old. Yeah, I'm pretty much the same as Seth. I was born in Nepal, but my family is from Bhutan, like my parents. Yeah. And how old were you when you moved here? I was five or six around. So your parents were from Bhutan. Where were their ancestors born? Um, they were born in Nepal. So they, they like Nepali people moved to Bhutan, like in the eighteen hundreds or yeah. before that. I'm not sure. And how how did they become refugees back in Nepal? Um, basically, there was like a major ethnic cleansing happening in Bhutan. Well, I think it was more like a government-based thing from yeah. what I've seen online because I've been doing some research. And um, yeah, that's what I saw. But yeah, major ethnic cleansing, which like caused um, the government to throw out all of... Well, yeah, <laughs> caused the government to kick out all of like the Nepali Bhutanese people. Well, they're called the Lokshampa people because... Um, we were based, like, on the south of Bhutan, and Lokshapa basically just means, like, southern people. Yeah. Thanks, thanks for giving a bit of a background. <laughs> no worries. Having moved here so young, and quite some time ago now, what impact do you feel that had for you with your connection to your culture? Um, I feel like my... I'm not sure, because my family is very cultural, and we went to like a lot of um, like cultural events, and we do have we have like these fortnightly kind of meetups, I guess I suppose in English. But um, yeah, so I have been like connected to my cultural side, but not because I wanted to, just because like that's just how my family is, and yeah. Um, I feel like there is a major difference between me and other people who have lived in Nepal for longer, like some of my friends, just in terms of like even speaking, they can speak much more than I can. Um, yeah, and just the whole personality is also kind of different as well, I feel like. Um, yeah, you, you mentioned to me previously that, um, that you'd wanted to learn um, more Bhutanese, but there was a lack of resources for yeah. you to be able to do that, um, and that wanting to or trying to speak it um, around, uh, including uh, not just Bhutanese but Nepalese, trying to mm -hmm. speak it around Fano or other people who spoke it well. There was a it was a bit embarrassing because you you weren't sure that you were getting it right. Yeah, yeah definitely. Are you able to speak a little bit about about that? Um, well, uh, like uncles and stuff always like encourage us to speak Nepali but it's like when we do it's kind of embarrassing because we might get some words wrong or whatever yeah, yeah. um sorry but um yeah I feel like our uncles and aunties or just anyone I feel like they say it in such a demeaning way yeah. which makes me not want to speak Nepali in front of in front of them but when I don't they also like I mean when yeah so when I don't speak English I mean when I don't speak Nepali 
they say the same thing when I do speak Nepali. They say like harsh things in a demeaning way, which makes me not want to speak it. So yeah, yeah same. <laughs> it's a bit of a double-edged sword for you to yeah to face. A, if you were to say something to them about um, how they could support you yeah. to speak it better, how how do you feel that they could give you feedback in the future potentially? I feel like I wouldn't even talk to them. I feel like maybe being like, oh, it's all right if you, like, that's not how you say it. Like, maybe not being like, oh, my God, you don't know how to say this word, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so just, just just trying to kind of come beside you and say, oh, I heard you get this wrong, but this is actually the way to do it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And not yeah. being, like, laughing at you, like, you don't even know how to say this. <laughs> yeah. Have either of you had anyone in public say to you go back to your own country no i haven't no same no. neither i feel like my dad has once but he has yeah <laughs> i remember him telling i remember him telling me something like that but i'm not sure if it was exactly in that in like those words but he did have like an experience with racism yeah i remember him telling me that oh yeah. somebody told him yeah. Oh, I thought you meant he told you to go back <laughs> No. <laughs> no. That's why I was confused. <laughs> why did my dad tell me to I go don't know. That's why I was confused. <laughs> 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 my dad just tells me to go back to <laughs> No, I've, my friend has had someone say that to her, um, but not me. Yeah. Well, considering that you came here so young... And um, you don't really... Uh, I know that you've mentioned uh, mentioned that you don't really remember much of, of Nepal. Mm-hmm. What would it be like for you if someone said that to you? I don't know. I'd be like, buy me the plane ticket. <laughs> 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 I've never thought about it. Like, um, I don't even know what I would do in yeah. that situation. I'd probably just, like, ignore them and just walk away. Yeah. I'm just waiting for someone to be racist to me. <laughs> well, I don't know. I feel like I made up this. I made up. I made up like these scenarios where I seem cool when someone's racist to me. So I've always wanted someone to be racist to me, so I can like have a cool response, not to be traumatized, but to like give them like you know a good response. <laughs> so yeah, I'm just waiting. <laughs> You're just preparing yourself for it. Yeah. But the fact that you even have to prepare yourself, I know, that's, you shouldn't have that's to. That's crazy, yeah, yeah. No. Like, I'm glad that you haven't thought about it before, and I'm sorry that I put you in a position oh, no, <laughs> that not. you finally, that, not that you finally are, that's the wrong words, that you, that you are for a first time. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Um, thank you for, for look, uh, look, uh, going into that with me. That's all right. Looking more at whānau and culture, um, more specifically your whānau, who is your whānau made up of and who did you grow up with? Um, so I grew up with a pretty, like, standard basic family. I had, like, mum, dad, and two younger brothers. Yep, that's kind of my family. Um, yeah, so I'm pretty much the same. I just have mum, dad, and two younger brothers as well. One is, um, 15 and one is three. Does all of your whanau live here in Aotearoa now? Uh, yeah. They do. Even my uncles and grandparents and everyone. What was it that brought both of your families to um, Aotearoa, to Otatahi specifically? Um, it was, like, since we were refugees, 
we were given like a chance to kind of like pick where we wanted to go and my family just kind of followed my um uncle's footsteps yeah. and yeah we all like ended up here we could have ended up in america thank god but <laughs> we're here now yeah pretty much the same with me we just had to like pick where we want to go my mom's brother um he came here so we all decided to come here and uh, is most of your whanau here now um yeah my like everyone yeah um for me it's all of my like mum's side is in america and um yeah all of my dad's side is um like just everywhere oh, yeah. in new zealand yeah same with me my dad's side is all in like canada but my mum's side is here so we just came where my mum's family went yeah what was your experience like as a nepali Bhutanese refugee but also someone who grew up with a lot of kiwi socialization relating to your whanau I feel like it's just weird because there's so many so many different like aspects that kind of are just like thrown in your face and it's difficult to just like relate to one um I don't know if like for example I have a lot of like white friends and when like they want to go out they want to do like stuff like that it's like in my culture I guess um like going out is like deemed as bad I guess and yeah so I it's it's difficult for me to like hang out with my friends and if I do want to I have to like ask in like four days advance or something so yeah I feel like yeah it's mm-hmm. yeah I definitely say um we have more strict appearance so it's mm-hmm. like hard to do hard to relate with like a lot of our friends sometimes yeah. but yeah it's not that much different I guess mm. apart from that yeah so, do you see any cultural battles between you and your parents? Um, sometimes when, um, even just like wearing clothes, if it's like too revealing or short or something, they'll be like, oh, you can't wear that out, that's yeah. bad. <laughs> but I don't know, I don't see, a, I don't think it's a big deal, yeah. personally. I feel like my parents think they're very, um, I don't know the word, like developed, <laughs> I guess. I feel like my parents think they are, but they're not. They're still, like, they're still, they still have, like, backwards thinking, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like they, because th- um, they compared themselves to other parents as well. And yes, compared to other parents, they are very chill. But, like, they still have, like, in the back of their minds, I feel like they still have that, like, kind of backwards thinking. Yeah. Um, you've also both mentioned to me that there's uh, another... Like an additional pressure being the oldest child in the family. Could you speak a little bit to that? Um, yeah, I feel like kind of in any culture, I guess, being the oldest, there's a lot of pressure. Um, for example, me and my dad, we're both the oldest, and I definitely see him having so much more pressure than like his other siblings um, coming from his parents. Um, yeah, I see him like going through that every day and like him trying to kind of... His his brothers his brothers just like don't see him as someone that they should respect and stuff, which makes me sad. But um, yeah, there's a lot of pressure um, both socially and like family wise. I feel yeah. like there's a lot of like academic pressure. Oh so, yes, yeah. They want the oldest child to do, I don't know whatever, but and then the youngest can just do like whatever they want. Yeah. Whereas you have to be either a doctor or a lawyer yeah. or an engineer or something. 
And the thing yeah. is, since we are the oldest, we like obviously there's no one for us to kind of like talk to about that, and there's no one to like kind of show us the way. So we kind of have to lead like by ourselves, and it's it's difficult obviously because there's no one to like help us with that. Um, yeah. You also mentioned to me about feeling like anything that you do could ruin the image of oh, yeah. of people of of, <laughs> of uh, Nepali people. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so what would happen if you were seen with a boy in public? For oh, time? oh God! <laughs> Literally. Oh my God! So if a Nepali person saw us out in public with a boy, like the whole community would know about it. Magically, they would magically find out. Yeah. And there would literally be no no chance for us to explain. Like it could be a random person, or it could be a friend. Yeah, they they would just think the worst. Yeah. Just worst ca- worst case scenario yeah. on their mind, which is annoying. Yeah. But I feel like my mum has done that too. <laughs> to, so many, to so many people. She like sees someone on the way. Like um, I was driving somewhere with my mum and then she saw this like Nepali girl, I think. And then um, she was like, oh, I was about to say Nepali, but she was like, oh, look, look at her. And then I was like, mum, chill. It's literally, they're just hanging out and just chill. <laughs> but uh, yeah. it's funny when it happens to other people, but when it happens yeah. to you, it's a whole other story. <laughs> Well, at least she, uh, at least this other person had you there yeah, to, to see the show. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and then people like don't forget if you if oh that happens God, to yes. you, they will remember it forever. <laughs> now going to your school experience, how do you feel your culture impacted your school experience? I feel like I don't talk about my culture that much. Like, I mean, there hasn't really like been anything to like, talk about my culture, but um, yeah. I, nobody really knows much about me, so I don't think culture has really like impacted my life that much at school. Um, yeah. Um, so when I was younger, I actually moved around schools a lot. So um, at one school there was more people of color, um, and at one um, there was like more white people. And I feel like the one where there was more people of color, um, I felt more like yeah connected and just more closer to everyone and more comfortable even. <clears throat> and then when I moved to the other school, I was like, what am I doing here? <laughs> they were like, yeah. the personalities and everything were just really different. I feel like I could relate to like a lot of the other people because we had like similar experiences growing up. So, yeah. yeah. And it was really hard to make friends at the other school as well. Everyone, everyone was white. But, yeah. Yeah. Um, recently, I've been doing this like program at my school, Peer Support. Um, and very, like, white people-based, but, um, there's, like, a few, um, uh, people of colour, and I realised that, um, when we had to do, like, group projects and stuff, a lot of us would, like, stick together in one group, and everyone else would kind of, like, go into their own groups, and I guess, yeah, I feel, I don't know, I don't know if it is some, like, kind of cultural-based thing, or if it's just, like, coincidence and whatnot, but yeah, I realised that we all like stick together and yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's probably why I felt more Yeah. Yeah, I definitely felt comfortable. more comfortable there than if I were to be in that other group. So yeah. When you were younger, did you know other refugee children? Mm, no. Yeah. I knew others that were like Nepali or Bhutanese but but they'd yeah. been here for a while themselves, or they had. Yeah, or it was just like my cousins that I knew that were like refugee Bhutanese. I don't, I don't know. Like, actually, did we know? No, because 
I've only been around like um <laughs> I've only been around white people my whole life basically. Um yeah, a lot of my schools were just like majority white people. And yeah, I don't know. I haven't I right now too. I really don't have a lot of like Nepali or Bhutanese friends. Yeah. I do, but they like don't live in Christchurch. Yeah. I feel like I can't like relate to them. Yeah. <laughs> and where they do live there's like so much like other people that are like their age they can yeah. like talk in Nepali and whatever. Yeah, in Christchurch yeah. there's just a lack of them. Yeah. <laughs> so that could be the problem or I just don't know how to talk to people. <laughs> do you feel that there are any changes that schools could make to to support refugee children? I'm, I'm thinking around primary school, those primary school years in particular. Mm, I don't... I'm not sure. Yeah, because... I don't know, because I mean, I was, like, primary school, like, ages ago, so I don't, like, I don't really remember anything from primary school. But what could they do to um, support? Maybe I should rephrase. Do you feel like there's anything that schools can do in those initial years when people have moved here? Mm, to, to, to make the experiences better? Maybe, like try to put them where they have other people that are similar to them because then they can relate to each other, they, they're more comfortable as well. Yeah. And they don't have to, like, try to make up a different personality yeah. to fit in and kind of just forget their roots, I guess. Mm. Yeah. I feel like that would be beneficial. Mm. Yeah. So be supported to actually remember their own culture mm-hmm. and be able to enjoy that as well as become part of the local community yeah not be forced to completely forget yeah yeah because when I started school it was just me (coughs) and there was like no one else that was like like me I guess I can remember some things from like when I was a year one two um yeah yeah in our whole school it was just you and me yeah yeah and then you came in like a bit later yeah oh yeah because I went to kindergarten yeah what do you think it would be like if there was like a school network of refugee children that like meet up once a quarter or something. I think that would be, be really fun. Yeah, that would be really great for them as well, just to be more comfortable. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Right now in our community, we really don't do anything, mm-hmm. um, and I feel like that has caused our community to kind of like split up, I guess. And a lot of people from our like Nepali Bhutanese community have been going to other like Nepali only communities, mm-hmm. which. <laughs> which <laughs> which is like it's sad really because we used to have like a lot of programs and stuff yeah and now there's like nothing there and i haven't seen like most of these people in years if I'm being and honest. if we do like do something it's like once a year which is yeah. not a lot and like we really want to do something about it but i don't know i f- <laughs> yeah i feel our, our community is very like adult yeah like um not base, but I don't know. Adult think, run? Yeah, yeah. Run by adults? I mean, like, yeah. they wouldn't care what we say. <laughs> yeah. Looking now at wider society, mm-hmm. how do you feel wider society perceives your community or reacts to your personal representation of your community? Um, I think loud. Definitely. I think that is definitely one. Um, I don't even know if this is the topic, but I went on this, like, cruise thing. <laughs> I went on this cruise thing with my, like, kind of extended family, 
and my internalized racism because I was brought up with a lot of white people <laughs> made me made me feel like we had to be quiet because other people would perceive us as loud and I didn't want that happening and yeah I was like please be quiet please be quiet to my family and they shouldn't like have to be quiet because like other families other cultures or like other families could be loud and I don't I feel like they wouldn't be perceived as that they would just be perceived as like fun family happy family whatnot but since it's us yeah I feel like we would be perceived negatively which is why it made me it made me like kind of want to stand away because yeah majority of the time I was at the cruise I was like kind of sitting by myself trying not to like be what's the word trying not to like be with them with uh yeah which shouldn't I shouldn't be like that but that's what happened and yeah I feel like that's possibly an experience of quite a lot of young people mm. as well, um, trying to, um, within those teenage years, trying yeah. to distance themselves. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, do you feel that part of that was worrying that the being allowed or types of that personality would affect people's idea of your culture as well? Definitely, yeah. Mm-hmm. The whole time I was just thinking, like, what are they thinking of us and stuff like that. Mm, yeah. Because the cruise was a good cruise mm. as well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it it is, it's, like, a fun time. You shouldn't be, like, embarrassed for, yeah. like, being happy, you know? Yeah. The other thing that you mentioned to me is that everyone thinks that you have all climbed Mount Everest. Oh, yeah. my God. <laughs> I could say I'm from Nepal and be like, if you would be like, so have you climbed? Have you climbed Mount Everest? I'm like, no, I, I didn't. I, I haven't even, even touched Mount Everest, <laughs> let alone climb. <laughs> We're not even a like five year old climbing Mount Everest. <laughs> <laughs> like, what is wrong? <laughs> the media's depiction of you and your community. Do you feel that it has had a negative effect of how you perceive yourself or your peers? Um, I don't really see myself in the media much, so I don't know how they perceive the Pali people, really. Yeah, but apart from the whole climbing my Everest part. Yeah, that's, like, like it. Yeah. <laughs> There's really nothing that the media has done, apart from, like, own Nepali media, but that doesn't really count. Mm. I totally hear that uh, young voices don't get out there or listened to very often. However, this is your opportunity um, to get your voice out there, what else do you feel needs to be heard? Um, I feel like we don't have, like, um, a chance to kind of connect with other youth because a lot of our programs are based on, like, um, more cultural stuff rather than, like, um, just things that would be helpful for, like, youth because, yeah. Yeah, I feel like meetups or, like, hangouts with people in our community would be really nice to have yeah. once in a while. Also, yeah. kind of having, like, a day or day or something um, to kind of basically just talk to the youth and just um, see kind of what, like, we want and what, um, yeah, just to see what mm-hmm. we want and, like, what they could do to kind of help us with that. Because we do have, like, a youth community and, like, in, within our community, but yeah. it's... People don't really care about it that much. Yeah. So. And I feel like the the youth community isn't even a youth community. Yeah. Because I feel like a majority of the people in the youth community yeah. are, like, adults. So it, yeah, they're, like, 30-year-olds, and they're like, what's going yeah. on? 
so why is it that like you said you don't really feel like people care about it like so what, what does that look like why do you think that people aren't engaging in it there's really like we have whole like group chats and stuff but i feel like no one takes action yeah that. that's yeah. and when we try to it just doesn't like work out because um everyone i feel um, yeah i feel like we just need to do something instead of saying we will do something yeah i know that part of engagement with young people from ethnic minorities mm-hmm. or ethnic um, groups it's um, a difficulty um, as a youth worker is getting the parents involved mm-hmm. uh, or approving getting the parents to mm-hmm. in- yeah. <laughs> approve it yeah um, do do you feel like that c- how to be honest, I don't like think parents' approval is a problem in our community. Yeah, because the parents will let you. Like yeah. if they know about something beforehand, they'll be like, "Yeah, you can go to that." But it's just there's nothing to do. <laughs> there's nothing yeah. to go to. Which yeah, which makes it difficult. But. Yeah. Okay. All right, Seth. So for this part of the podcast, what buzzes you? It's an opportunity for you to talk about something that you're passionate about. So what is it you can tell us about today? Um, I'm really, really, really passionate about traveling. Ever since I was, like, a little kid, I've always wanted to just, like, travel all different, like, um, parts of the world and just, like, uh, see other cultures and, like, see how they kind of, like, work and what it's like, um, in those countries and stuff like that. Um, how was it that you became interested in this? Oh, yeah. Well, it's basically just, like, through movies because, um, when I was little, my parents always used to put, like, movies from different kind of countries and like just seeing that has made me like curious to see how that country would be and yeah that's that's kind of how it like started through like different um watching like different movies and etc and shows and stuff what is it about traveling that really excites you i feel like it's the fact that you like never know what could happen in that country and like you never know what you could see um this isn't a different country but um when i went to queenstown I didn't expect to see, like, a magician just randomly, like, performing in the middle of the street. And that was, like, it was exciting to see, like, something different. Because in Christchurch, it's, <laughs> it's really boring in Christchurch. Like, going around, you don't really see anything, that like, cool happening unless it's, like, planned. But I feel like um, in different, like, countries or, like, cities or something like um, that, you just, it, it's just, like, unplanned and it's cool to see. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, what type of response do you get from people when you normally try to talk about your passion for or your your excitement about the idea of traveling? Um, it's everyone kind of like relates to me because I feel like traveling is something that everyone wants to do, and I feel like uh, yeah, whenever I talk about traveling, people always talk about Paris. <laughs> Paris is everyone's go to when talking about traveling, and yeah, I would like to travel Paris one day. But um, yeah, that's kind of what I receive. Yeah. Yeah. What is it that you um, that you wish that people understood more about about your your want to travel? Um, when I say I want to travel, people always think that like I don't want to do anything else, um, and they just think that I want to like just travel and not and just like um, not have any other kind of like passions in life. But I do, and traveling is just like one of them. But I wish people understood that like. Um, yeah, traveling isn't just like my one passion and I do have other things that I want to do and I want to accomplish. Yeah. 
how do you see people being able to travel and see different things being able to change the world? No, I feel like that's very um, cool that they are able to do that. I feel like it is kind of privileged in a way that um, they don't have to worry about like, they don't have to worry about other things while traveling and the fact that they are able to change something about the world is also really cool, I think. You're also going to introduce for us your favourite song at the moment. What song is that? Yes, so my favourite song at the moment is Where'd All the Time Go by J-Dog. And what is it that you love about the song? Um, I'm going to be finishing high school really soon, like basically next year. And I feel like that song reminds me a lot. Like it just brings like memories from like primary and like, yeah, and intermediate and stuff like that. So I really like listening to that song while crying. <laughs> so, yeah, that's my favorite song at the moment.
What is it that you're going to tell us about today? Um, so today I would like to talk about true crime. Cool. So how did you become interested in true crime? Um, I don't know. I just watched YouTube videos and to pass time, it would just like come off recommended. Especially like um, BuzzFeed Unsolved and like, I don't know, other channels. Yeah. Um, what really excites you about it? Um, just like, I feel like finding out like to a sense the like, I don't know, the thrill of it all and just the plot twists and surprises and all that. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> what type of response do you normally get from people when you try to talk about true crime to them? Um, I don't really talk to anyone about it. I just watch it myself. More, more of like a little secret. Yeah, or I tell like my brother about it. I'm like, oh my God, did you know this happened? What yeah. does he reckon? Pardon? What does he say? Oh, he just doesn't care, but I tell him anyways. <laughs> <laughs> what do you wish that people understood more about true crime? Um, that it's really interesting and it can like literally it'll keep you up till 3am in the morning and maybe even give you nightmares, but that's fine because the thrill. (laughs) (laughs) How do you see true crime being able to change the world? (laughs) (laughs) Um, People can watch true crime while they're having a snack and then they won't have to think too hard about what they want to watch because it's just like, oh, you can watch this. (laughs) Instead of wasting your time, I don't know. <laughs> that's a strange question. Yeah, that's what I was like, how am I going to word that? <laughs> um, but, um, I know for myself, mm-hmm. I, I watch a lot of true crime, and a major interest of it for myself is trying to figure out how people's brains work yeah. and like prevent myself from getting into risky situations. Yeah, I watch this one channel, and it like goes through like um, police interviews and stuff with criminals. And they let you know like everything they do, like, like, and what their motive behind what their what um their action was or whatever. And it, it's kind of like I don't know why that exists though, because then like future criminals or what if I can like look at that channel and be like, this is what I need to not do in order to get caught or whatever, you know? They still get caught though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. How do you feel that? learning more about true crime, the processes behind it and all of that has influenced how you see the world? Um, I, I've i learned that like people aren't really what they may seem to be and that you should be more aware of like what you do, who you hang out with, because you never know how somebody might end up being, you know, yeah. Always be careful of even, like, your surroundings when you're, like, out in public and whatever, always just have that in the back of your mind because you never know what may happen. Thank you very much. And you're also going to share with us what your favourite song is right now. Um, currently, because I love Taylor Swift and she has released a new album, I'll say Maroon is my favourite track of cool. the album. Awesome. Is there anything in particular about that song that's your, that, that makes it stand out from the others? Uh, I don't know, just, like, the beat... The beat? The beat. (laughs) Nice. Awesome. When the morning came, we were cleaning incense off your vinyl shelf Cause we lost track of time again Laughing with my feet in your lap Like you were my closest friend How'd we end up on the floor anyway? You 
silence came we were shaking blind and hazy how the hell did we lose sight of us again sobbing with your head in your hands ain't that the way shit always ends you were standing hollow eyed in the hallway carnations you had thought were roses that's us i feel you no matter That is us for today. Namihi nui. Thank you to Saf and Alina for sharing their stories with us. If anything that came up today raised emotions for you, we'd like to remind you to reach out for support. We've put the contact details for Outline, Youthline and Lifeline in the link tree in the show notes. We've also included some resources in the show description and episode notes. Please click the link tree for more information. Namihi nui for hanging out with us today. If anything we talked about sparked your interest, head over to Leadership Lab website at leadershiplab.co.nz. If you want to hear more people of Puawai, you can find us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and find us on Instagram at puawai underscore youth. Matewa.